1: Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We are recording this episode on the night of Monday, July 1st, commonly known the world over as the start of free agency. Normally we have a wide range of topics to talk about, but after watching all the signings today, we're pretty much just going to stick with free agency. Takes are incoming. I'm Ryan Real. Joining us for this episode, we have Elaine Shercliffe. Hi, Elaine.
2: Hi, Ryan.
1: And we've got Eric Seeds. Seeds, how are you? Hey,
3: guys. I've got my Matt Duchesne jersey right here, and I'm ready to cry into it for the entirety of the
1: podcast. oh <laughs> Hell yeah. So let's, that's a great start. Just right <laughs> off the bat. lot to talk about this episode. A lot going on with the Blue Jackets. Uh, mostly bad news, I guess. News we knew was, was coming. We knew these moves were probably uh, in the offing all year, dating back to last summer. Let's just go ahead and, and knock out the bad stuff first, the departing free agents, Artemi Panarin, Sergei Bobrovsky, and Matt Duchesne not coming back, all signed at other places. What's what's our take on, on this? We knew this was coming, but it, it finally happened.
3: Well, um, yeah. So we knew, we knew last summer Sergei Bobrovsky was not coming back. Once it was reported... That the Blue Jackets weren't going to offer him the full the full term that he wanted. They weren't going to offer him a seven year and eight year deal, especially not at the money he wanted. We knew Sergei Bobrovsky wasn't coming back that fine. I, I, I personally made my peace with that over the course of the year. And after all the drama over the course of the year, thanks for the memories. I'm glad you got paid. I'm glad it wasn't us that paid us um Artemi Panarin there wasn't really no hope until late last night when uh Yarmo reportedly threw a 13 million dollar contract on the table and dared Panarin to walk away from it but he did um I wasn't really surprised that he did considering we've heard all season that he wants to live in a big city either Miami or New York and play near an ocean and we can't offer a beachfront property unless you count Alum Creek. So that wasn't really surprising. <laughs> it's a busy um,
2: Yeah, we do.
3: We could we could offer him Zumbizy Bay. I, I don't know how, how much we got jungle Jack Hanna involved in these negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> as far as uh, Duchesne goes, he was the one I was hoping we had a chance to resign. Not just because I uh, was finally happy that he was a blue jacket for all of eight weeks, but because, you know, he might have came here. You've he seen a, it was a great place to raise a family like the Flenas and the Atkinsons had. And that was able to sway him away from signing with the Nashville Predators. Unfortunately, as far as that goes, it just didn't work out his uh, according to an interview he did on TSN or NHL Network. I forget which uh, this afternoon he he and his family had been had had their hearts set on Nashville for quite some time hmm. and that there was no changing his mind and if he was willing to walk away from more money to the Blue Jackets to be where he wanted to be, I can't really fault him for doing what he wanted to do. It's his right as a UFA. So kind of made my peace with it and kind of knew we weren't getting these three guys, like you said. So, so it goes. We'll, we'll go to war with the guys we got next year.
2: Hold on. I'm opening my beer. Okay. Please stop. leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> mm. So, I, on the other hand, have not made my peace with many of these. Um, Bobrovsky, you knew he was not coming back. There was no way he was being swayed to come back to this team. I felt like he probably wanted out sometime last season, even. Uh, Duchesne was kind of, that hurt a little bit because, you know, Columbus is a family town. I mean, look at the players on the team who all have kids. And I mean, Cam Atkinson likes it so much. He opened a business here with a bunch of other locals. So he clearly also thinks it's a great place to raise a family.
3: Rick Nash came back.
2: Right. Rick Nash came back. Like, he clearly probably did not want to be here. He just probably didn't have the heart to tell everyone that because I think he genuinely liked being here and being with this team but I feel as though he probably wanted to go to Nashville since he got since before he got traded here um and then Panarin I feel oh, Panarin <laughs> there were moments where I'm like oh maybe Panarin will stay oh maybe he'll stay like I was excited in the fall people in New York were saying That John Davidson is coming back to the Rangers and he's going to bring Panarin. And here I am like, no, JD wouldn't do that to the Blue Jackets. Um, Totally wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what happened. And I feel more betrayed by John Davidson. And more like maybe our management and ownership and whatever was slightly... I don't want to say stupid, but... (laughs) They had to have known that J.D. was going to make a play for someone. And the fact that then we got nothing out of it is what infuriates me. That all of these players went away and we literally got nothing for them. And the writing had been on the wall that most of them would leave. So why, even though we wanted that, this year, even though we swept Tampa Bay, it's like why didn't we make more of an effort to either get them signed right away during the season, and if they didn't want to sign, then get rid of them, so that we aren't essentially rebuilding. I know we have Kim Atkinson, and he is great, and Felino and we have people, but when you lose three guys like that, and we're possibly going to lose more people, I just I can't get behind that. And I feel like, yes, getting in the playoffs and getting that first round win was great. But if that's like, is that going to happen again next season? I hope so. But it doesn't seem highly likely, especially now that the Metro has Panarin.
3: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of counterbalance you here, Elaine. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna do my best to talk you off the ledge, which is a, (laughs) a serious role reversal from how we're used to on this podcast here. We lost Matt Duchesne. Now, Duchesne had only been here six weeks before the playoffs started. We lost him. Yes, we gave up a first round pick for the privilege of having Matt Duchesne here. And to his credit, Duchesne scored 10 points in 10 games. And we, we, we paid a first round pick. And I don't even remember what else we gave up in that deal uh, to have Matt Duchesne. That's fine, and we and we get our first round pick in twenty twenty back, so that's fine. I, I I don't consider the cost for Duchesne worth it. Sergei Bobrovsky had a no move clause. I don't know how. I don't know what we could have traded, uh, or if he would have been willing to waive his no trade. It didn't really sound like it through any reporting that uh, various beat writers gave out that Bob was willing to move it or waive his no move clause during the season. Um, as far as Panarin goes, I. Yeah, we only, we only won one gate or one round in the playoffs, but we hung in there with the eventual uh Stanley Cup finalists out of the East, and like we never won a playoff series before this season. Like that after twenty years, winning a series means something to you have you have to at least show something and to his credit in his press conference this afternoon, Yarmo Yarmo owned it. Um he he's like I he, he made the comment that he knew it was a possibility when he made this trade that and when he talked to ownership that this was an op uh, a thing that could happen. That all the UFAs could leave. Obviously none of us have talked about Ryan Dezingle, but there's no interest it was reported that there's no interest of us resigning to Zingle and that's fine. I think it was worth it just to like try try something different. You know, at least the Jackets tried to make a push for it. Yeah, it didn't work out, but at some point you can't just sit back on potential and you know hope for hope for there. There is no such thing as an ideal world or an ideal situation to make a run. Like it's just not going to happen, especially in uh, a league where you know the the Rangers, but even before today, had picked up Capo Caco and the Devils got Jack Hughes and PK Subban, and Tampa Bay is still Tampa Bay, Boston is still Boston, and then Vegas is getting stronger. Uh, San Jose resigned Eric Carlson. St. Louis won the cup out of nowhere. You you never know what could happen. So I, I give the Jackets credit for trying to be one of those five six teams in the playoffs that had a shot to win the cup. Um, and the roll of the dice just didn't work out their way. And it I'm happy with maybe not the losing the free agents, but I'm happy with how it worked out that we at least tried and made a run for it.
2: Oh yeah, no, like definitely on that standpoint. I have, I'm just like conflicted too, but I'm mostly mad at John Davidson. I'm (laughs) mostly yeah.
3: That's yeah Yeah. that that sucks, but I'm glad we at least tried for it, and it's nice to just, it's nice to have a series win under our belt for once in our franchise history, so we (laughs) never
1: ever have to hear that again. God. So seeds, I'm glad you mentioned Yambo's press conference because he mentioned Jordan Bennington when he was talking about the goalies, which he addressed kind of at length relative to the rest of his press conference about st- sticking with uh, Yunus Korpisalo and Elvis Merzlikens next year. Yeah, you never know what can happen. Load up for a run, bet on yourself. You never know what's going to happen in the next year. We're all fine with that. I-, I think the other part of this is the Blue Jackets fatalism, the state of Ohio fatalism when it comes to pro sports. I mean, I know the Cavs won, but y- you know what I mean? that That kind of... Mm-hmm. Things are never going to go our way. Why is it always us? Why does nobody ever want to stay in Columbus? That kind of fatalism. Yes. I, I wrote a piece on Friday, a jokey piece about prospective free agents that did not go over great with everybody. And I totally get that. And I, I didn't mean to make people as mad as, as they got. Um, totally. I should have read the room better. But that 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 is, I'm coming from that place of we can't have nice things. And we had nice things for a minute. I think... You look at that Bob contract, and you look at how goalies age, and you think, you know what, that's fine. You know, he clearly wasn't happy here after maybe the the, the cap series, and and ten million dollars is a lot for a guy his age in that term. And I think I think most people are like, you know what, that's fine. See ya. Uh, Duchesne, like you said, I'm, I am one of those for work. yes, I I am I am yeah. too. Somebody asked me. I had a Panthers, I have a Panthers friend, Panthers fan friend, and he was like, you know, is this too much money to pay for Panarin? When all you know, this is days ago. And Bob and I was like, man, I don't know about Bob, but yeah, Panarin, like, do whatever you can to get him. And, and that's that stings because see, if you call him the best player to, or the best skater at least to ever play for the Jackets. I don't argue that. And so that 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 one stings. Yarmolay made a big play with the side trade to get him. And and the Bob one you could see coming. The Duchesne one, right. honky tonk road, the pull was was too powerful. And and that that stings too, especially from, from how nice how kindly he spoke about the city and, and the playoff run and how much it clearly meant to him to play for a team that, that won a series and, and had a chance. But the other part of this is who the hell knows? Look at Kawhi Leonard, right? Like an hours ago, apparently he's going to the Lakers. He won oh, an no NBA way. championship in Toronto. He he. If he signed there, he would be a god. He, I mean, he practically was for the past couple of months. You look at that and you're like, why would that guy want to go to L.A.? And I mean, of course, there are a ton of good reasons and it's ultimately his decision. But you never know why people go where they go and, and what motivates people. It's just, yeah. it. the problem is tying it into a larger trend of of Columbus. Right. Not missteps or miscues. It just doesn't seem to work out for free agents here mm. signing them and and I'm not looking into this. I'm not saying it's a part of a narrative or Columbus doesn't have it, but I mean, Yarmo had to address in the press conference, somebody asked him and he defended the city and defended the area and the, and the organization and the franchise. And he mentioned how much this team has won over the past couple of years. And I'm not saying that Columbus has a problem. I don't believe that. I, I just, at, it, it sucks, I guess is, is, is what it comes down to.
2: And it does. Yeah. Like my thing is in the beginning, people were like, the team is too new and they don't have a fan base. So then they were older and they got a fan base and we still couldn't keep them. Then it became about families and there we were, it's like a family town and we still couldn't keep them. And then it was like, well, you don't have a winning culture. You can't get to the playoffs.
3: How's that working we... out for you, Jack Johnson?
2: <laughs> right. But there it is. We've been to the playoffs multiple years in a row. We finally have first round victory and people still aren't staying. So do athletes in, or I guess NHL players, do they not realize the magic that is Ohio in general from Cleveland to Columbus to Cincinnati? I mean, do they think that it's just not a good place to live? Because just if you look at the state as a glance, it's, it's amazing. And yeah, the sports don't have the best history, but maybe if people bought in to the team, the way that like Baker Mayfield has bought into the Browns, Maybe more people would be excited about being here.
3: Well, we we were able to re-sign Sergei Bobrovsky in his prime several years ago. We kept him around. We we signed Rick Nash. Now granted it didn't work out. He ended up requesting a trade because the team was just god-awful. Thanks a lot, Scott Housen. Um But we were able to sign and keep Rick Nash. We we've signed free agents in the past. Not all of them have worked out. Someone on Twitter had a history of our July one free agent his uh, signings. And it's absolutely abysmal to be totally Frank, but uh, at least we, at least we were able to sign people on July 1st. Uh, Like I said, we kept Bob, uh, we signed Nathan Horton, even, even though he had, he he ended up having that debilitating back injury. That was obviously no fault of the teams or his own. Like it just didn't work out that he had a medical issue. Um, For one reason or another, the players that left today weren't leaving because of the city. Bobrovsky was leaving because of the circumstances of the team. Panarin left because it it was nothing against the franchise, the fans, anything like that. It was the fact that we are not an oceanfront property, and that's where he, as a free agent who grew up dirt poor in the middle of Russia, riding trains with tennis shoes inside his skates because his skates were too big, Wants to live, and I, I can't fault him for that. Um And Matt Duchesne, by all by all accounts, including his own, has had his heart set on Nashville for several years. And Nashville cleared the space with the PK Subban trade to the New Jersey Devils to open up space to sign him. And if there, if that match just worked out, I don't think it's anything against the city. And I, I kind of want to come to the city's defense here because, like. We've, we've seen it that fans and teams in this city bond together and like really mean r- really matter to each other when like like when the chips are down like we we just saw this whole thing last year with with the Columbus crew when the when uh Anthony Precourt was trying to rip the team away Fan, fans rallied and eventually forced a sale to local ownership to keep a to keep the original MLS franchise in the city like it, it the, the city has a lot to offer free agents and fans, and obviously it's not a death knell to signing free agents. We just signed Gustav Nyquist this afternoon, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, Cam, We kept Cam Atkinson in his prime. We signed Felino and kept him here in his prime. We kept Brandon Dubinsky in his prime. Uh, I could go on and on here, but we, we have... The, city, the city's doing fine. It's just frustrating to see these guys... All leave on one day, and I get that. Yeah. Sorry yeah. for ranting. No, no, no.
1: no that's <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and and you're right to to not make a larger trend of this because it just so happened that three of the best players on the team decided to leave on the same day. And 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 we wouldn't have even had one of those guys. We only
3: had one true. of those guys for six weeks. It wasn't like he he'd been here for five years. True. True.
2: true, true. But Eric, you made me love him, so this is your fault. Why I'm sad that he is gone. <laughs>
1: He took his horse to the old town road and he is gone. God bless. (laughs) We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the players that blue jackets did sign in just a second.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
1: Welcome back. We will talk about the players of Blue Jackets re-signed, but first the big signing for the CBJ of the day, Gustav Nyquist heading to Columbus. Four years, $5.5 million average annual value for Gustav Nyquist. Uh, he's, you know, I'm, I'm reading Seeds' article here, which, by the way, Seeds... Yeoman's work again today, getting all the coverage out. Really appreciate it on JacketsCanada.com. 306 points in 500 career games played for the Sharks and the Red Wings, mostly with the, the Red Wings over his career. He is now a Blue Jacket.
3: Yeah, um, I was extremely thrilled that we signed uh, Gustav Nyquist here. Um, he's he's apparently, um, according to Yarmo, was on his uh, radar even at the trade deadline. The Jackets were looking to bring him in and get him in the fold. Uh, before the season ended. Uh, We can only speculate what would have happened had he been here and been another bona fide goal scorer that we could have added in the playoffs, but he's here now. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Aaron Porchline's article on The Athletic, but apparently he was working out this morning in a uh, Michigan Michigan gym and ran into Zach Wierenski and did not tell Wierenski that his signing here was imminent. Huh. (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. Obviously, he's not Artemi Panarin, but he put up 60 points last year in 81 games, put up, uh, I believe, 11 points in 20 games in the playoffs as the Sharks fell in the Western Conference Final to St. Louis. So the guy knows how to uh, put points on the board. He's a speedy winger, should be able to uh, slot in on the top line and uh, on the left wing in Panarin slot and mitigate some of the loss uh, of losing Panarin. So I'm happy with the signing. I'm glad we got him here at a reasonable deal. It has not been reported that there's a no move clause or anything like that that would um, require us to protect him in the uh, expansion draft. Obviously, I'm sure we will, but I'm not. uh, I really like the signing. I'm happy with it. So good job, Yarmo.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty cool with it, too. I was actually surprised when that was sent my way. Um, I didn't see that signing coming, but. My mom is a huge Red Wings fan, so when she finds out, she's probably going to cry really hard at the fact that he'll be even closer. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, he is good. He's, like, low-key good. You don't realize he, like, when he has the puck, he's just so under the radar sometimes, which will be really good against some of the teams we face in the Metro. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, good job, Guillermo. Exactly.
3: So Elaine, uh have you seen him play a lot? Yes. Um how would you describe him as a player? Is he like does he like drive the play? What do you does he require setup? How do you how would you describe Gustav Meikwist?
2: I mean, honestly, he can do both. Which is really nice. He can actually set himself up, which is kind of cool. I've seen him do things right off the, the corners of the board, uh like bounce it off when no one's around and you're like, what are you shooting at? And it's, he's shooting to himself. And it kind of messes with the defense a little bit. He does have a few tells though, and coming for the goalie, he, and the when he's feeling them out, he kind of tries to go for the five hole. So that might be something that they should work on with him. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's just pretty solid. I don't know. I, I like him a lot. He's not super defensive. Um, but, He can make the play. He can set it up and he can drive it. He can quarterback it. So I think he's great.
1: I'm thinking part of the reason they brought Nyquist in is because Alex Winberg, super (laughs) lonely, super sad after the departure of his best friend, William Carlson. (laughs) And they brought in another Swede in the forward group, kind of like when you have a pet that's sad and lonely and upset. (laughs) And you know it and you can tell. So you get another pet to keep it company while you're at work all day. That's what I think Gustav Nyquist is.
2: As Will said, two dogs are better than one.
1: I can't argue with that.
3: <laughs> is Bimström a Swede? Yes,
1: I- yes, yes. So we could theoretically have a Swedish line. True. And we- Pale Dragon made the point that, yeah, I mean, Nyquist can be, you know, maybe maybe a mentor or a veteran leadership role for, for Bimström.
2: That would be nice. He would be, they are very similar in playing.
1: So, the other part of this signing, and we'll get to the other signings as well, but Rob Mixer, my dear friend Rob Mixer, made the point that you, you can't look at all of these other signings in the NHL and say, like, Kevin Hayes, holy hell, or, you know, Brandon Tanev, or Sergei Wabrowski, and look at all the money flying around, and say, those signings are terrible, look at the term, look at the, the deals, those are, those are awful, and then also be upset when your team doesn't sign anybody. That said, Yarmo. Doing a really good job. I don't think any of the three signings—say Ryan Murray, Jorn, Yunus Unus Corposalo, uh, or, or Gustav Nyquist—in terms of the Blue Jackets NHL signings, I don't think anybody has a problem with those in in terms of term or money. Like like Seed said, good job, Yarmo. It, it is nice to know that the the Blue Jackets have a GM that's not, for the most part, going to throw a ton of money at people and wildly overpay. I mean, you could argue that thirteen million for Panarin was wildly overpaying but it didn't happen and we kind of all got that at least forcing somebody else's hand but Still, but you, but you see what i mean that these are not bad deals that, that they threw down today we, we all can live with that nyquist deal
2: oh yeah definitely all of them
1: absolutely um
3: no like like you said ryan um God, that brand that Brandon Tanev deal was absolutely horrendous. I don't know what Jim Rutherford is doing out in Pittsburgh. I want to drag play. the Penguins later, but we can. Yeah, yes, we can, I mean, we can the do the it now. Later. We'll we'll, we'll drag the Pens later. Okay, okay. <laughs> but but I've always I've always thought about July first. Like if you're going to overpay, overpay elite talent, not middle six talent. And yeah. like if, if if so, if you're going to overpay, overpay someone like an Artemi Panarin, don't give like it was rumored on Twitter earlier today that uh, Anders Lee was going to get 9 million a year. He ended up signing Uh. for seven, but like Anders Lee for 9 million is absurd. And I would not fault any, I I would be very angry at Yarmo for giving Anders Lee 9 million a year. So yeah. Uh, if you're going to spend your money, spend it prudently on top six guys and top pairing defensemen and don't overpay middle six guys and do not give fourth liners money or term.
1: Sure. Sure. Also want to point out Gustav Mike was very good at, uh, Pretty good penalty differential as well. He he does not take a ton of penalties. So uh, that's always good, especially for for this team. There were two other Jackets who re-signed, notably Ryan Murray signing for two years at a decent cap hit. We can all live with that. Ryan Murray coming back for two years. One of those years will be uh, an under-60 free agency year. So Ryan Murray
3: coming back. Uh, I'm a little surprised he came back. I'm more surprised that he came back on a, uh... A year on a contract that buys out a UFA year. Um, the, the dollars, apparently
1: talked three years.
3: Yeah, I mean, good for you, Ryan Murray, because he was. I, I sound I sound like a critic of Ryan Murray because I I complain about his injury history and I'm, I, I am a noted lover of Zach Wierenski. But Ryan Murray was the better defenseman than Zach Wierenski last year. That is just non-negotiable when they were healthy Ryan Murray unfortunately played 56 games for this team but if if he can somehow I don't know if you can fix injuries but if he if he can have two years of 82 games for this team plus whatever playoff games they might happen to play Ryan Murray's gonna get paid on his next contract and he deserves it Ryan Ryan Murray when healthy is an excellent defenseman in the NHL and I'm glad they brought him back just to give him a chance to like prove himself here. So happy to sign it. Happy to see him back.
2: Yeah. I, I will say one of the things I do like about Ryan Murray is that he does love it here. Um, he doesn't matter if he's sitting or he's playing. He genuinely wants to be here, which is nice. And like Steve said, he is the better defenseman. Um, I think giving him that two years means that they're willing to see if he gets injured and that he's willing to work hard to stay healthy which is also a very good sign. So I'm very pleased with that. Plus, he's also tradable, right? He didn't sign a no trade?
3: No, there is no no trade.
2: Right, so yeah, so he's also very tradable in case he starts to take a slight dive. Not that I want to lose him, but...
1: Right, well, Ryan Murray's perpetual trade bait, right? Every every deadline, it's, it's Ryan Murray's <laughs> always first out. But glad to see he's back, especially with that the defense, you know, Really, largely unchanged heading into heading into next season. The other signing, Jonas Corposalo for one year. He is the guy with Elvis Merzlikens and the departure of Sergey Bobrovsky. It is Corposalo and Merzlikens. Yarmo said in the post game or the the post free agency press conference today that they are not looking for another goalie. Not at this time. No was was the quote. So
2: that makes me so happy. Because Corpus needs someone to battle against, and I feel like with what Merzlikens brings to the game, he's going to be able to elevate Corpus game to the next level, because Corby's competitive. He's super competitive, and that's why it worked with him in Forsberg in, um, in Cleveland. Because they were just constantly competing against each other, and it just brought both their games to the next level. And I feel like we're going to see some great things goalie wise this season between Marles Lickens and Corpusallo trying to battle it out for that number one spot. It's going to be pretty cool.
3: I'm I'm excited to see Corpusallo back in his uh, in his. Uh, afternoon press conference today, Yarmo mentioned how well Korpisalo played when he was filling in for an uh, injured Sergei Bobrovsky and uh, got consistent starts in the NHL.
1: Yeah, he said 920.
3: Yeah, that's I 100% forgot that that was a thing. And then right. uh, and then he also mentioned that um, most goaltenders in the NHL start as number twos. He rattled off guys like Ben Bishop, Carey Price and Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, you know, you don't, you don't, it's rare, rare is the goaltender that Yarmo brought up that uh, comes into the uh, NHL and doesn't have to fight to be the number one. So I'm excited to see the goaltending battle next next season. And uh, I wish these guys the best of luck. I hope they both bring out the best in each other because it
1: only means good things for the team. Yarmo also mentioned Mika Kiprasov in that rundown, which a name I was not expecting to hear today, but I love the shout out for a, for a fellow Finn. I am not, I'll be honest, I'm not so hot on this. I I just, uncertainty makes me nervous. When you're able to watch Sergei Borowski in net for, you know, that many years and he's carried the load and he's the guy. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, I'm just nervous. I'm just, I'm nervous in front of that defense or behind that defense. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's, I mean, obviously that's, that's clearly the biggest question mark. Heading in, it's the biggest question mark for me We'll see we'll even see.
3: Yar, even Yarmo said it was the biggest question mark on the uh, during his press conference today that like uh, th- this is our biggest pre- uh, question mark, but clearly he feels confident in these guys, and he also I am going to butcher his name, but Vinny Velhavinen.
1: that's yeah, that's basically it.
3: Yeah, um Yar, Yarmo was like, this, this kid's the wild card, and he's going to get a shot just as
1: much as these other two guys do, so we'll see what happens. I love how the theme of Yarmo's goaltending bit was basically goaltending. Who the hell knows? That's really what it was. I mean, you never at, know. Look at
3: the St. Louis Blues this year. Yeah,
1: yep. exactly, exactly. He was number two in the <laughs> NHL this time last year. What Yarmo said. So uh, those are, those are the deals from the NHL perspective. Elaine, you are excited about the Monsters deals?
2: Yes. Well, the like, well, there's a few, but. Uh, Tizen's back for another year, which is great. Um, as long as they don't send Matisse Kiplynyk down to the ECHL, I will be happy because having him try to mold the two goaltenders will be good for the organization in the future when Tizen decides to inevitably retire. Mm-hmm. Um, then Doyle Summerby coming back is really exciting. <laughs> Um, he's just a great guy, and he's a good defender. Um, he's not the best defender, but when he's not on the ice, it's very noticeable. So with um, how shallow our defensive pool is in the organization, this will be a great chance for him to uh, build his way up and really show what he has to offer to make it to the NHL. And then the Jackets didn't want Sam Vino. I was super disappointed about that, considering they offered Ryan McInnes a contract, and I'm so confused about that, because he just was inconsistent. Sam Vigneault took the game seriously, got sent down to the ECHL, took it even more seriously, came up, and just did a, a solid job for the rest of the season, and then clearly Chris Clark and Mike Eves and the Monsters saw something there and offered him a one year contract for the AHL. So that is really great for Sam, which means he will definitely get, will likely get more playing time next season. Um, and I'm curious to see how he does. I'm a little excited, a little scared. Um, but on the sad side of things, Tommy Cross signed with the Panthers. And losing a veteran defenseman is really, really hard because we know Adam Clendenning is probably going to be up and down, if not still up, at the start of the season. So then that role would fall on Tommy Cross. And Tommy Cross is a protector. He's a leader. He is a solid defender. And he's not there anymore. So it's going to be a lot of young guys on the Monsters as of right now. As defenders... And that's a little bit scary to think about, that if someone up top gets injured, there might not be as many options for them to choose from that are safe options.
1: Yeah, that's good to see. That's good to see. And, and I, I want to point out, Elaine, because there was some clarification. You talked about the defense a couple episodes ago. You were not specifically referring to the Jackets defense, depth. Right. you were referring to organizationally top to bottom monsters yes. to Jackets.
2: Yes, Exactly. A lot of people thought I was talking about just the jackets, but when I'm speaking about the organization, I mean, top to bottom prospects that can come over everything.
1: Also, I want to clarify Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. That was something that was a rumbling, not done. But my point still stands where Kawhi Leonard, if he signed in Toronto, would be a god and have plenty of statues. And the idea that the idea that nobody knows what's going on, you can win a title in a city and be revered and still want to go somewhere else. So that was my larger point. <laughs> See Durant, comma, Kevin. Yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> I I don't want LeBron James to have happiness, okay? So <laughs> stay away from the Lakers. We can let the Warriors and the, the and Portland, like, blow it up in the West. And, you know, I'm okay with the Cavs losing if Toronto's the one that's going to be winning all the time. Other than that, I need the Cavs to really step up that game.
1: The, the other part about being a hockey fan and obsessing over hockey numbers is you lose kind of perspective on other sports salaries. Like you look at NBA free agency or how much a baseball player makes. And it is mind blowing. Like you cannot comprehend that a middle reliever makes, you know, uh, the the crappiest middle reliever makes like Ovechkin money. You know what I mean? Anyway,
2: right? like Durant
1: makes $50 million. Like that's insane to me.
2: It is. It's so insane to me. Like every time LeBron James opted out out of his contract, I would get so angry because I looked at it from, not just the standpoint of the NHL, but I also looked at it from the standpoint of like what professional softball players and women's hockey players make. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they don't even know what it's like. Right. <laughs> or, right. Like
1: like Katie's salary is like two thirds of an NHL payroll. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, Damian Lillard out in Portland just signed for like 40, 45 million dollars a year for the next four years. Like uh, that's that, that's more than half of the NHL salary cap like lord (laughs)
2: but but the nba also has a better setup i think for players i think they get like parts of some teams i think get parts of like the um merchandise and also i want to say tv like it's it's they have other opportunities to like make money if one part of the business is failing so if another part is succeeding, they are OK, where I feel like the NHL just has like that one part and then the players are dependent on getting um, endorsements and training camps and stuff.
1: And then, of course, there's escrow where they don't get all the money that they assigned for originally. And we'll we'll hear about that at the next labor stoppage um, pretty soon. So that'll be great. And I'm not arguing that NBA players shouldn't make that money or whatever. I'm just saying when you look at the numbers, like it is when you forget about that and you live in like, wow, this guy makes $10 million. And then like somebody else, you at like, it's ridiculous.
3: Yeah, like like last night when it was reported that Artemi Panarin got offered a $13 million contract, I was like, oh my Lord, that's (laughs) so much money. And then... I, f- I flipped over to uh, Woj's Twitter and I'm like, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> not that much.
3: Right. I mean, it's a lot, it's a
1: lot but like, not really
2: in right. sports.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Hockey's, if you want to make money, play baseball.
0: Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So the Metro got a lot stronger. Uh, the, there's no denying that the Metro, by and large, did, did really well, unless maybe you're talking about Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. <laughs> rough day for the pens rough weekend for the pens i see as you mentioned that that depends on off, your kid. point of view ryan sure <laughs> sure yeah
3: um yeah no the me- the metro had the metro the new york rangers are gonna be able to trot out a top line of Zabana, jad panarin Kako. like that's insane no. uh, the the Devils got jack hughes pk suban and are infinitely better than they were last year the Islanders re-signed Anders Lee. Fine. Uh, what What do you guys think of the uh, the Montreal Canadiens' offer sheeting or offer sheeting Sebastian Aho?
2: It doesn't make sense. It's really funny. I don't understand why they did it. It's. Kind they should have done a lot more. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's. It, it should have been a lot more. And and. Uh, did you see the follow up that it was apparently between. Uh, Aho or uh brain point and they chose Aho instead because yeah. they thought he would be easier to get. Like that doesn't make all that much sense.
2: I just I feel like they said, Oh, we haven't offered sheeted anyone in a while. Let's just put one out there for for giggles.
1: I and 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 I I, I love like obviously Carolina's gonna match that. It's easy for them. It actually works out better because that's less yeah, yeah, yeah. than Aho wanted. Yeah. I I, I love though that They kind of back and forth like what else? like, well, you know, we're going to hold it just to spite them, make it tougher for them to spend money. And then you also have Bergeron saying like, oh, Ajo was happy to sign. He sees our young guys. He wants to be a part of that and kind of throwing some shade at Carolina. I love that. I wish we had more of that in hockey. (laughs) Not like we don't need the mind-blowing pettiness of the NBA. I would love it, but, you know, I get it. Um, (laughs) But it's fun. I'm glad we're, I'm glad offer sheets are back. I wish they would have used them better. You know, it's the first one in like six years or something. Like, I, I wish it would have gone better for for the team that's not in our division, but but yeah, the, the 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 Penguins. Yes. Let's 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 touch on the Penguins. Phil Kessel now out in Arizona after some some bad blood spilled in the media now with uh, Jim Rutherford saying that he wanted to go and he nixed the trade to Minnesota and he goes to the casino all the time and he got the young guys going to the casino before games and or days before games and. Phil Kessel was like, he can say what he wants. He told me I'm never going to be a penguin again. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And also, while we're talking about this, Aaron Bortsline made a cryptic reference in uh, his athletic chat last week about players being glad that the drama is over or players won't miss the drama. And he said that some felt that Pabrowski and Panarin seemed to revel in it. Yeah, I saw that too. I
3: wonder. I wonder if it's just like a, thank God this is over, we can get back to playing hockey
1: and not worrying about all this BS on the sides. And he did ask Yarmouth today about that, uh, about the drama and if it's good to be done. And, and Yarmouth had a pretty good answer, which is, you know, maybe it brought us together and, you know, maybe some drama is good and maybe that was overblown.
0: And...
2: Um, I have a few things to say about all of that. First of all, Phil Kessel is a true American treasure. Um, sure. I saw worse
3: the, hockey player than his sister. But yes,
2: <laughs> I don't know. He he, in his draft class, um, Scott Wheeler from the Athletic, who writes about Toronto, he put out this nice little stat that in his draft class, he is like first in games played. I think it's like second in goals. He's in the top three in all like goals, assists, games played points. For the 2006 draft year, which has a lot of Hall of Famers in it, and he doesn't even try that hard. Like, Could you imagine how amazing Phil Kessel would be if he was one of those like nose-to-the-grindstone kind of players? And I think it's kind of like, I don't know, when someone comes out and says, we traded him because he was at the casino all the time, and then you trade him to the Coyotes, where the first owner of that team had to get rid of it because their wife had like a gambling problem like it just it's like sometimes in the nhl the jokes make themselves and i don't Aren't know. they
1: named after a casino in the arena uh,
2: yeah uh, river yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean actually i think it's named after like a river but <laughs> yeah. there is a casino um, that does a lot of giveaways for them it just i feel like it's laughable with all the things that players do wrong in the league like we know that there are players who have hardcore drug problems who um, have issues with domestic abuse, all of that. And you're going to trade a guy because he goes to the casino a little too much. And I would understand if it hardcore affected his game, but like it didn't. So to me, that's like slightly laughable because I feel like there's other reasons why you should get rid of a player. That's my personal opinion.
1: But they brought in Brandon Tanev for a million years and traded Olimana. So.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My thought, my thoughts on the Pittsburgh Penguins are: I don't care what Phil Kessel is doing. Um, why are you trading this guy to Arizona for uh, the very inconsistent Alex Galchenyuk, who's going to need a new contract in the next couple of years, probably get a cap hit raise, and then you brought in Brandon Tanev to play uh, a lot of minutes, and you gave him six years at uh, a lot of money. Like, what are you? Do- is it is it too late to revoke Jim Rutherford's uh, <laughs> Hockey Hall of Fame uh, <laughs> nomination, or what? Because, uh, like, I'll I'll be totally honest. I've I've been kind of mentally ranking the Metro in my head as as we've been going since the draft. I have the Jackets currently meant uh, just out of the playoffs based on playmakers they lost. Obviously, this is just my thinking. I don't know anything. Pittsburgh might have fallen more than we have just because of guys they've brought in and guys they've kept around. And they still have Jack Johnson and Eric Branson on their books before bringing Brandon Tanev in today and losing Phil Kessel. Like, what are the Penguins doing? I don't understand what Jim Rutherford is doing out there. I'm obviously extremely happy to see it. If Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin <laughs> miss the playoffs, sign me up. But I just fundamentally do not understand this decision making process because I, I get wanting to maximize the last years of guys um, of those those two guys' careers. But like, dear lord, you've got you've got a, you've got a blue line anchored by a broken Chris Letang and Jack Johnson, and then lord. you've got. Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, and um, a bunch of magic beans up front. Like,
2: well, is there a generation? Is there a generational talent coming up in the draft soon? <laughs> like, that's all <laughs> I yeah. can think of.
3: Because- no, New Jersey has Taylor Hall. They're going to win first round picks forever, <laughs> <laughs> or first overall picks forever. Yeah, Ta- Taylor Hall is the magic.
2: He's the magic lottery ball. <laughs> yep,
3: you love to see it. No, yeah. yeah, you do. As bad as it is for Blue Jackets fans today, it could be worse. We could be Penguins fans or New York Knicks fans. That's
1: a good point. All right, it's time for our final thoughts. Seeds, you jumped me a little bit, so you're going to go first. My my question to you is, today, on July 1st, are the Blue Jackets a playoff team? You said no. If you want to expound on that a little bit?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with the... Uh, I'm going to go with... Um, there's going to be a couple Metro teams who make it ahead of us. Obviously Washington, uh, the New York Rangers, and I'm going to say the Philadelphia Flyers are the top three seeds from the Metro division. The next top the, uh, from the top three seeds from the Atlantic division, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay lightning, the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. As far as the wild card goes, I'm going to go with the Florida Panthers and the Montreal Canadiens. And that is, Uh, leaves the Blue Jackets on the outside looking
1: in. I think the New Jersey Devils just miss. Okay, Elaine. As of today, do you think the Blue Jackets are a playoff team?
2: No. I wish they were. Um, But no, I don't see them being a playoff team. I unfortunately don't even see it being close. Um, I feel like we'll know that we're not making it. But then again... The blues were last in January, and then they won it. So maybe some of that blues voodoo magic will end up with the blue jackets. So that would, Ooh. right? That would be lovely, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. The East is a weird bird, though, because they're difficult. Yet we play. We seem to play well against them, and maybe it's because they're so difficult sometimes. Um, I'm worried about teams like Jersey. I know Seed said that they'll miss it, but didn't uh, Simmons get signed there too as well? So
1: yes, it's
2: gonna be. I think Jersey fans are gonna have a decent year. They're gonna be excited. Um, I mean, at least I feel like if we miss the playoffs, also the Penguins will, so it won't be as bad. So, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, in the East, in general, like uh, I don't think Carolina is going to get back in it. Cause they've mm. pretty much like started to dismantle their team. And their cheerleader, Justin Williams, is looking at other teams as well. So it's, uh, I don't think we're going to make it. I think the East is going to be interesting. And I don't think that the Panthers are going to make it.
3: Remember, remember, five, six, seven years ago when they did realignment, we said the East would be easier to make the playoffs.
2: lols. <laughs> 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 it's just because whenever we end up somewhere, that conference is like, "Oh man, we can't get beat by the Blue Jackets," so they up, they up it a lot, the level. So that's pretty much what it is.
1: <laughs> it is rigged. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I agree with I agree with y'all. I don't think the Blue Jackets make it. I think too many points and wins went out the door today for them to climb the hill that they're going to have to climb next season. I think it could happen. It's sports. Anything could happen. I think that scenario would most likely be it takes the first half of the season for the team to gel and for the young kids to figure it out, taxiating comfortable, Bemstrom, the new guys, the goalies to figure it out. And then I think, I think, you know, they band together without this constant drama of, of the past year. I think that's wh- how I see this happening, if it were to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. Like I, th- I, I just think the losses uh, from free agency are going to be too much. And like I said at the beginning of the show, we kind of knew this was happening. This isn't a surprise. The other part of this, like Yarmo said today and has said before, it's a strong core. You got Jenner, Anderson, Atkinson. Uh, you know, you, you want to throw Wimberg in there, Felino, Seth Jones, Zach Winske. I mean, the core of this team is strong. And so it's not like, the Jackets are, are in a bad way going forward the next couple of years. I mean, they got kids in the pipeline and so, but I just don't think it's going to happen in 1920. So yeah. can We hope we're wrong? Yeah.
2: Can I add something real quick here? I know yeah. we're almost done. I know you touched on it earlier, like halfway through the pod, but um, Eric has done an incredible job, not just with today, but also with the draft. Um, definitely kept, our site going, um, pumped out article after article. And I feel like it really needs to be recognized because you just, you, you lit it up for those two events and we really needed it. And it's very appreciated.
1: Amen. Thanks guys. Yes. Go ahead and check out seeds work on JacketsCanada.com. all of our work from free agency and the previews and, and what we've got for going forward. That'll do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela has announced the name of her upcoming new album titled 430. Check her out at AngelaPurley.com. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, any podcast service that you listen to us to. Please share it with other people. We really appreciate it. And as always, we welcome your comments, questions, tweet at us, send us a physical letter, find our addresses, dox us, send us stuff in the mail. Don't do that. I'm just (laughs) just trying to change it up a little bit. Please. Uh, Send us stuff. Like But as always, you can find us at JaggersCanada.com. We thank you so much for listening. From all of us, thank you from the bottoms of our hearts. And we will see you next week.